0: I want to be in reading tonight, you with me? All right, I want to be in reading tonight in verse 14, which actually begins a prayer that Paul prayed for his friends in the church at Ephesus. And he says this in verse 14, "For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven What is the breadth and length and depth and height? Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a lot of preaching right there. But I really want to focus in on these last two verses tonight. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end and all God's people said amen Amen. if we were to go back and certainly I could and I said there's a lot of preaching there if we were to go back and kind of outline or dissect uh, Paul's prayer, we could do it like this. Paul prayed for the Ephesians, number one, to be strengthened by the Spirit of God, number two, to be indwelt by the Son of God, and number three, to understand the love of God. And then we come to verse 20, And it's like Paul is overwhelmed with thoughts of how capable God is of doing everything that he prayed and more. So much more. Paul's concept of God was huge. Author Philip Yancey tells of a time when His pastor decided to pull a vacation surprise on his four children by telling them that they were going to Junction City, Kansas for vacation. Anybody been to Junction City, Kansas? Then you will appreciate this story. He chose Junction City because his father used to pastor a church there. And he assured the kids that they would have all kinds of fun in Junction City, Kansas. (laughs) You're laughing, you've been there. But here's the catch. He only planned to spend one day there. And then they were going to leave and head on to Disney World. So this this is a great dad trick. This is awesome. And all during the drive from Denver to Junction City, Yancey's pastor kept the kids' morale up by describing the wonders awaiting them in Junction City. Playgrounds, a swimming pool, an ice cream stand, maybe, maybe even a bowling alley. And so, they get there. They find the church building where his father used to pastor. They take a tour of of the old church building. And after that, the kids were ready to get to the hotel and go swimming when their dad dropped the bombshell. He said, you know... Kids, it's really kind of boring here in Kansas. He I think we ought to load up and just drive to Disney World. And as most dads would have expected or anticipated, and he, he thought the kids were just going to go bonkers. He thought they would just going to be jumping up and down and running around and yelling and screaming, we're going to Disney World and carrying on. But instead, he said, they started to complain. We don't want to get back in the van. What about the swimming pool? You promised. I thought we were going bowling. So the great surprise backfired. And for the next few hours, Yancey's pastor sat behind the steering wheel and smoldered as the children expanded on all of the advantages of Junction City, Kansas over Disney World. Now, here's the point. Sometimes our idea of God and thus our prayers are just too small we pray for a merry-go-round in Junction City Kansas when God is more than able and willing by the way to give us the best that Disney World has to offer does that make sense so we're over here praying for a merry-go-round in Junction City and God's up there saying, listen, I've got so much more for you and I can do so much more for you, but you just want to settle for a merry-go-round when you can have the biggest and best ride that Disney World has to offer. I like these words from Philip Brooks that I've used these, this quote before when preaching my series on the prayer of Jabez. He said this, pray the largest prayers. You cannot think a prayer so large that God, in answering it, will not wish you had made it larger. The great D.L. Moody is credited with saying this, we honor God when we ask for great things. It is a humiliating thing that we are satisfied with very small results. What I hope to do tonight with God's help is enlarge your concept of who He is and what He can do in hopes of encouraging you to pray the largest prayers, as Philip Brooks said. And here's my encouragement tonight. Here's where we'll start. We pray to a God who is able. We've got a bunch of merry-go-round believers in here tonight. I said we pray to a God who is able. I want you to listen, to Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the answer to that tonight, church, is what? No. There's nothing too hard for God. In every situation, in every trial, in every temptation, in every problem, God is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found God to be able over there in the book of Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he built this idol, and and you remember the story, he commanded everyone in the kingdom to bow down and worship this idol. This idol was 90 feet tall and it was 90 feet wide. And his excuse me, his instructions were that when they heard the music, that they were supposed to bow to the idol. And everyone did, except the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to do it. Well, word got back to the king that they did not bow down to worship the idol as they were supposed to do. and, And the king was furious. And in his rage, he commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And in essence, the king uh, was willing to give them a second chance. I'm going to give you guys one more chance to do what I've asked you to do. And when you hear the music, I expect you to bow down. But he made it very clear to them that if they refused to bow down the second time, then they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And to that, he added this question, listen, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And I love their response. Here it is. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. That means that we really don't have any... Reason to answer you, our God, you ask us, and who is that God that shall deliver you? What they're saying here is, we really don't need to answer you. Our God doesn't need us to defend him, is what they're saying there. We don't have careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able. Let me stop right there and, and, and... Share something with you that that came upon me today. They did not presume, well, listen to this, they did not presume that God would deliver them, but they knew that he could deliver them if he chose to. I never saw that, never dawned on me before. Even if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able. They didn't say, our God, whom we serve, will deliver us. So again, they didn't presume that he would, but they knew in their hearts that if he wanted to, he could do it. And I share that with you tonight to say this. I don't want you to presume after this message tonight that God will do the big thing that you ask him to do. But I do want you to know that he can do it if it falls within his will. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Well, that didn't sit too well with the king. So he had the furnace heated up seven times hotter than normal, and then he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in. And if you know the story, you know that God showed up and proved that he was able, just like they said, and on, the, on a day that was set aside and was supposed to be devoted to bringing glory to the false god of Nebuchadnezzar. In the end, it brought glory to the God who was able. What does that tell us today? It's very simple. It tells us God is able. In our worst problem, God is able. In our darkest hour, God is able. In our greatest struggle, God is able. On our longest day, God is able. In our most complicated situation, God is able. God is able to restore that wayward child. God is able to rebuild a broken relationship. God is able to rescue from addiction. God is able, uh, His grace is able to reach the worst sinner. I'm telling you tonight, our God is able. And that's the God that we pray to. The God who is able. But we not only pray to a God who is able... We also pray to a God who's more than able. Hey, it's great that God is able. Would you agree with that? That's awesome. But it's better that He is more than able. Here's what that tells us tonight, that God is not the God of barely enough. God is the God of more than enough. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And I submit to you tonight, the problem when it comes to our prayers is not God. The problem is us. As C.S. Lewis once said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And we're far, listen church, we're far too easily pleased. Read that again, look at it. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And we're far too easily pleased There's a story recorded in all four gospels. You know it well, we commonly refer to it as the feeding of the 5,000, which is a misnomer. It, it, it's more accurately the feeding of the 20,000 plus by the time you figure in women and children. Anyways, the story goes, Jesus used a, a little kid's lunch, had uh, five fish and two pieces of, of flat bread, and, and with that he fed the entire crowd which tells us again tonight that God is able. But if you know the story, it goes on to teach us that he is more than able because there were 12 baskets full of food left over. God just didn't do the the, the normal thing. He did the exceeding abundant thing. God delights in doing more than we could ask or think. I think sometimes we're convinced that we're praying to a reluctant father. Um, our grandson, Kevin, during the summer, comes to our house every Sunday afternoon. and We love it. But when school starts, mom and dad make him go home. he got school on Monday and he's taking a nap he has a tendency to play quite a bit at Papa and Grammy's house but sometimes I think we get the idea that when we're praying to God it's like Kevin trying to convince his dad to let him come to Grammy and Papa's on Sunday he's talking to a reluctant father Just just this time, I promise I'll take a nap. I promise. Grammy, right? Right, Grammy, I'll take a nap? You know, Grammy and Papa over there, yeah, come on, man, it's cool. But he's talking to a reluctant father. And sometimes I get the idea that when we pray, our idea of God is just like that, that we've got to, oh, come on, God, please... You know, it's like we've got to convince him that he wants to do this. You tracking with me? And we pray like we're praying to a reluctant father when that's not the case at all. We're praying to a, to a, to a, a papa, I don't mean dis- disrespectful, but we're praying to a papa who wants to do this. Now he comes and Kevo talks to me, he comes to my office, hey papa, can I come over today? Absolutely, you can come over today. I want you to come over today. I want you to come over every day. What do you think, Kevo? Good idea? Don't you do that. Mama's not going to whoop you. Are you tracking with me tonight? That's, That's not the kind of God we're praying to. We're praying to a God who wants to do these things. What about the story of Lazarus? Jesus purposely did not come to his house to heal him. You know the story. As a matter of fact, he didn't show up until Lazarus had been dead for how many days? Four days. Four days. Now, how many of you believe tonight that when They came to him and said, Him whom thou lovest is sick. How many of you believe tonight that Jesus could have just spoken the word right there, wherever he was, and Lazarus could have been healed? How many of you know that Jesus did that one time? He just spoke the word, and by the and and they're going to the house, and the people from the house are coming back and they meet them, and he says, Well, what time what time did that happen? And if you read the story, you find out that she was was healed at the very same time that Jesus said it was going to happen. So I'm telling you, Jesus could have said, oh, he's sick, man, that's a bummer. Lazarus be healed. And he would have been good. Absolutely he could have done that. But why didn't he? I believe it was for the glory of his father. He wanted to do the exceedingly abundant thing beyond what anyone could have asked or thought. Now, to my recollection, we don't, we don't recall anywhere in that story where Mary and Martha said, Jesus, would you, would you raise our brother from the dead? They never asked that. And I'm guessing that they probably never even thought that that was a possibility. But Jesus showed that he's able to do the exceeding, abundant thing beyond anything we could ask or even fathom in our minds. And there are plenty of other miracles just like that in the Word of God. So I submit to you tonight that God is greater than our minds can even conceive. I want you to do this. I want you to to make two fists. Once you turn the person next to you, no, never mind. Make two fists, put them together like this. This is about, not exactly, but this is is about the the same size as a human brain, okay? Not exactly. Some of you medical people are going, yeah, no, no, give me a break. It's the best illustration I had, okay? I even looked online. What's the average size of a human brain? 14 centimeters, which is about five and a half inches. So I went into the to the workroom, to the chopping board, and I put my hands down. (laughs) Yeah, close enough. So this is about the size of the human brain. So it only listen this. So it only stands to reason that we would have such a difficult time with a brain that small, comprehending a God as large as the God we serve. Aren't you glad that this doesn't contain all there is to God? what, What could a God this size do? Aren't you glad That our God is so much bigger than this? Well, if you know that, then why don't you pray like it? If we know He's bigger than this, then why don't we pray to Him like He's bigger than that? And we pray like this is all there is to God, that there's nothing more to God than this. I love this quote by Vance Havner, too many times we miss so much because we live on the low level of the natural, the ordinary, the explainable. We leave no room for God to do the exceeding, abundant thing above all that we can ask or think. Wow. Andrew Murray once said, Beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only, he said, not only by unbelief, but by fancying, that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. Church, let's quit limiting God by confining him to just what we have faith to believe in. How about we do this how about we ask God to increase our faith and by the way the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God so if you want God to increase your faith you need you need to expose yourself to the Word of God read it yourself come here and preach like you did tonight come here preach twice on Sunday Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So how about we do this? How about we ask God to increase our faith? How about we ask God to help our unbelief? Hey, church, how about we let him out of the little box that we have him in and let him be God in our prayer life? We pray to a God who is able. We pray to a God who is more than able. Amen. And thirdly, we pray to a God who is worthy of glory. One real danger in this whole thing of praying big prayers and seeing God do big things is that in the end, we will take the glory for it. Because, after all, we're the ones that prayed, right? Yeah. But we're wrong in thinking that we should take the glory. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 115, verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Church, if all you're interested in is your glory, then God's not going to do the big thing that you ask him to do in your life. Because God's not interested in glorifying you. God's not interested in making you larger and you bigger and you more noticed and you more famous and more popular. God's not interested in that. God's interested in glorifying you his son so when he does that exceeding abundant thing above all you could have asked or even thought can i just encourage you tonight to give him glory so let me ask you this virginia gets ready for brief time of invitation tonight Let me ask you, what's the biggest, listen to me, listen. What's the biggest thing you could ask God to do for you right now? I want you to think about that for a minute. What's the biggest thing that you could ask God to do for you right now? Do you realize tonight that he can do that? He can. You know, there was a time in my life when the biggest thing that I could ask God for was to save my mom and dad. And he did that. Praise the Lord. And some of you, I know tonight, from your testimony and you visiting with me and you inviting me into your prayer life, I know some of you have some lost family that you would love to see come to faith in the Lord. And maybe you've, maybe you've kind of given up on that, though you wouldn't admit it verbally in your heart. You've kind of given up on that. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a relationship within your family. Maybe it's a health need maybe it's a financial need what is the biggest thing that you could ask God to do for you right now the one whom Paul said is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think is waiting to hear from you remember, anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. Let's pray.